You're listening to the Overtime Ireland American Football Podcast. Brought to you in association with OvertimeIreland.com. Now, here's the OTI guys. Hello and welcome back to the OTI Podcast. It's myself, Colin Kelly, as always, joined again by my co-host, Doug, who has had his traffic issues getting here, but we're delighted to have him aboard the show. And we're both delighted to be joined on the show today by Pat Fitzmaurice. A lot of you'll know him from his work for 444 and SI.com, but uh, he's somebody that I've been interacting with on Twitter for quite some time, and uh, it's a pleasure to get him aboard the show at last. Oh, thanks for having me, Colm and Doug. It's uh, it's great to be on. And I understand uh, you have a wedding coming up. Is that right? Yeah, it's uh, coming up, and it's coming up quite fast at the moment. Uh, each and every show, I guess, is another couple of days counted off. Uh, we've been kind of doing a weekly countdown. We're down now to, I think, last week, last Saturday was the eight-week countdown. And for any of the listeners that want to have the easy way to listen to it, if you want to figure out how close it's coming, it's actually the the Saturday of NFL Week 1, so um, it, it is coming as close as our fantasy football season's coming, I guess, however, oh, I, managed, however I managed to schedule that in. <laughs> that is going to be a momentous week for you. I yeah, it's going to uh, be pretty busy. <laughs> <laughs> having having been through it, uh, my only advice for the wedding itself would be just uh, defer to her on everything. Yeah, uh, you're just arm candy for that day. It's her day, and uh, if you just stick with her and uh, keep quiet, I think everything will be okay. Yeah, I think <laughs> it was for me. That's certainly what I'm going to try and do uh, the wedding day anyway, and hopefully on the uh, Sunday then I can sneak away and uh, watch some of the games <laughs> as they happen. So I've waited a long time for uh, both the wedding and NFL Week One. They just happen to come at the same time, so it should be a fun week obviously talking about nfl week one i guess we'll start off with the news and it's something that i've been tired of talking for a long time and somebody who obviously because of it won't be playing nfl week one and that is tom brady deflate gate obviously has rumbled on for the past kind of i think it's gone on around 18 months after the afc championship game and you know it's just it has really gone on and i feel sorry for tom brady at the start i didn't really feel sorry for him i thought at the start as well though that it was completely overblown but now at this point uh, he's kind of he's given up the fight and he's going to miss those first four games anything to add to it that hasn't already been added over the last 18 months as i mentioned anything either you want to add or just uh, that it's been a complete mess uh, by the nfl in general uh i don't really have anything to add to it <laughs> i mean it's been uh covered ad nauseum for so long um you know from a fantasy perspective i, I still think brady is uh you know I, i'm not going to give him too big a hit simply because uh you can you know put in a quarterback too in those first few weeks and and still you know come up with a decent point total with a matt ryan or a Jameis winston or a kirk cousins and yeah. um you know and then you get uh tom terrific back in uh soon after that and um you know i i would put him a little below the uh the top echelon guys with Russell Wilson, Cam Newton, Aaron Rodgers, uh, etc. But, you know, I still think he's a, a QB1. Yeah, I definitely yeah. agree with you there. Uh, Doug, obviously, you're a, a big Patriots fan. Anything to, to add into it without uh, going completely off the rails? Yeah, I, I try to I, I try to stay somewhat calm about this. I, I'm going to try to remain so. Uh, I wrote an article last week for uh, SB Nation about um, what can happen to Jimmy Garoppolo. Um, and I would say that when you look at his slate, he doesn't actually have the the hardest schedule there is. He faces an extremely tough Arizona Cardinals defense in week one. I believe then he faces Buffalo at home, Miami at home, and then the Texans at home as well. So it's not like he has an impossible schedule, 
where he can't be fantasy relevant. But I think to add on Pat's part, if you draft a guy like Brady and you let someone else fill in for a couple weeks and you maybe go two and two, one and three, that only means that you're going to be on the waivers. You're going to have first pick of the waivers when the real guys start coming in, the guys who break out and, and, and stuff like that when injuries pop up. So you usually see those guys always make a late season surge when they get the, the good pickups earlier in the season after being horrible. So that's always another thing as well. But no, I'm not going to add much more. Um, I, I think enough has been said yeah. uh, in in the media and even non-sports media that we don't have to touch on this much longer. Yeah, definitely. And uh, I think we'll pass on it with that. Uh, usually at the start of the show, I give a quick rundown of what's actually going to happen on the show. The wedding talk took hold of that. So we're going to be talking today on the show about the AFC West division breakdown and somebody in the AFC West that is very happy over the last couple of days. That is Von Miller, obviously getting his contract situation started out. It's a six-year contract uh, signed on the, the deadline of that franchise tag. And it was um, $114.5 million he's getting. He had talked about sitting out the season and had talked about, obviously, uh, you know, that possibility but at the end of it it's been a kind of long road but they eventually got their massive contract for him I'm going to run through a couple other contracts as well that could signed and then i'll let you uh, jump into any thoughts you have uh, Mohammed wilkerson of the new york jets he signed an extension as well it's going to pay him roughly 17 million per season uh, getting up there starting to get into that quarterback money at that point over the next five seasons and that's a, obviously a monster deal for him that was a deal that a lot of people probably didn't expect to get done and then uh, arian foster the other one uh, a one-year contract with the Miami Dolphins starts off 1.5 million uh, kind of base salary 2 million in incentives but in that contract he's received a $400,000 signing bonus which is nothing to be sniffed at but uh, you know if he gets cut before week one the rest of that salary is uh, saved we'll talk a little bit about Foster as well and uh, finally in the kind of news roundup uh, former Chicago Bears uh, cornerback and played with the Panthers last year getting them to the Super Bowl Charles Tillman is retired uh, after 13 seasons uh, you know he's had a, a phenomenal uh, run there in his career he's uh, hanging up his cleats so i guess uh, we'll probably skip the tillman talk but on the other uh, three guys there anything to add i'm sure foster's the one that um, you just want to talk about i'll let pat jump in first oh sure uh well before we skip the tillman talk uh i i <laughs> as a packer fan as a, a packers fan i have the ultimate respect for him i i don't know if i've ever seen a defensive back as good as forcing turnovers yeah. and uh the way he punched out fumbles was just unbelievable so uh i'll do respect for a, a great player and he'll Very be much missed. So. um yeah as far as the foster thing i i feel like the dolphins have been trying to tell us for a while now that they didn't have full confidence in jay ajay um yeah. you know kicking the tires on cj anderson in free agency uh drafting kenyan drake um, you know, and they just seem to always have their eye out for someone who could uh, rotate in with a Jai at the very least, and uh, if not, relegate a Jai to uh, a, a backup. And I do feel that Foster is the more valuable pick, at least from the start. I, I do think he's going to get more playing time. I know some people have speculated that Foster might be more the third down back and a uh, you know a, a change of pace runner um i I do think they're going to rotate i think the dolphins have to manage foster's carries given the injury history and uh you know it's probably inevitable that he does get hurt at some point uh it seems to happen every year unfortunately but you know as as long as he's healthy i would rather have him than a jai from a fantasy perspective i do think he's going to be a little more valuable and get a little more uh a little more work 
Yeah, I do agree with you. And obviously, you mentioned there when he's healthy. That is obviously the key concern coming off the Achilles injury. You know, a lot of people, obviously, the the improvements in medical science over the last, you know, 20 years have been incredible. We see people coming back swiftly now from kind of ACL knee injuries. But still, you know, you, you talk about that Achilles injury. It's one that's still at that position, the running back position where you have to cut, you have to try and explode out of breaks. It is one that's, uh, you know, a very worrisome one. I'm still kind of, I think, you know, it's going to knock, obviously, Zhaizhi down the, the rankings a little bit, uh, you know, in people's rankings. And then, of course, as well, when you're looking at uh, what round he's going to go in, I think he's going to get bounced down two or three rounds, I'd imagine, too. But I think at that there point, he could start to become uh, a value because if you look over the last kind of three or four years, Foster hasn't been able to finish out them seasons and he's, you know, about to turn 30 as well. So we'll see what happens there. I know, Doug, we've speculated on the show on a number of occasions. What do you end up? You were talking about possibly with the Patriots we talked about the situation with the Colts running backs could he end up there and uh, you did a few uh, weeks ago on Twitter say that he definitely was going to land with the Miami Dolphins so I have to give you credit where credit is due you did get one right eventually Doug but uh, where uh, where do you stand in this situation now as uh, he has signed on with the Dolphins yeah so when I think about it I think that it's gonna it's definitely a knock on their running back situation they weren't comfortable with with a, a, and I always say this wrong, Ajaji uh, now it could be whatever. I think you've called. actually, I actually said Ajaji there, and I've never said it in my life. So uh, we joked about it with Matt Waldman a few weeks yeah. ago, but I just, I've lost how to pronounce his name altogether. <laughs> but uh, him, him, and, uh, <laughs> Ke- and, and, and uh, Kenyon Drake, yeah. uh, they clearly weren't comfortable. They tr- they offered, um, they had signed uh, CJ Anderson to an offer sheet earlier in the offseason. The only reason they didn't sign her is because uh, Denver matched it. Um, yeah, they they were always trying to. Aaron Foster, by far, uh, when healthy, the best running back on on the market up until uh, yesterday. Um, they they had met with him earlier in the off season. He didn't want to sign until he was healthy or ready to to uh, actually participate. It happened. One thing I want to point out is I owned Foster. I actually traded for him last year, one of my bigger redraft leagues, and and I paid the price actually. Um, but one thing to point out is he didn't contribute much in the run game last year. He actually only finished with 163 yards in four yep. games, and he averaged 2.6 yards. Now, granted, it's a very small sample size, um, but a lot of his damage came in the passing game. Still very explosive, almost 100 yards um, from scrimmage uh, per game with uh, almost 230 receiving yards and two touchdowns. Um, so I think I think to keep him fresh, to keep him healthy, to try and make it so he actually can last a season or last more than four games or eight games like he did in 2013, is they're going to use him more in the passing game. I think because Drake, you know, he's a rookie. He was a gadget player. He was a specialist at at, uh, Alabama. I don't think they're going to use him. uh, When I say him, I say Foster as a, you know, early down back. He'll get some rushing opportunities. I think he's going to be primarily in the passing game. He's a reliable veteran when healthy. Maybe even one of the best receiving running backs in the league, if not one of the best, you know, even the best. Um, so I, I think that that's what we're going to see him. Obviously, I don't. I'm not. Uh, I'm not a fan of Jay Ajayi. I, I I don't think that the, the the Dolphins ever had much faith in him as more than the two down back. And and clearly we've seen that with Drake and and now Foster being brought onto the team. Uh, but I would say Foster's going to produce more in the passing game than the running game, uh, just to keep him healthier and make sure they don't uh, exhaust him. So uh, that's where I see him, but I don't think Ajaji's more than uh, maybe a, a running back three, personally, uh, just because I think they're going to pass a lot, the Dolphins, and, um, 
you know, I think that they're tooled that way, and I think Gase is going to make sure that the offense is, is run that way. So if anything, I think Foster will contribute in the passing game. Uh, not so much in the running game, but I still am not confident in uh, Jay Josh though. Yeah, I have to agree with you. I think that he is going to be more, you know, that uh, passing downs back. And we've seen last year, as you mentioned, in the run game wasn't very effective. I think, uh, you know, a lot of people are starting to project him up. And I think as we get closer to the season, you know, we'll see him getting uh, ready for the season, see how healthy he is. And people are going to start moving up draft boards. Uh, before yesterday, uh, JJ was going kind of in that fifth round range, kind of 59th pick overall, where Foster was going towards the back of the eighth round. And I think we're going to see that flip flop over the next uh, couple of weeks in average draft position. I think then, depending on what leagues you're in, obviously if you're in with savvy drafters, a lot of, they'll know more uh, about the situation. But I do think some kind of, you know, your friends leagues and things like that, you might see some of them see that Arian Foster name and jump on him. You know, I think fifth round still far too early for him. I think if you're looking at the price range you're going to be over the next couple of weeks, I think I would still be taking that chance on uh, Ajayi. I'm not I'm not the biggest fan of him in the world, but uh, there's a couple of dynasty leagues I'm in and I put out feelers for feelers from yesterday, see if I could put out some kind of low ball offers, but uh, to no success. But Pat, do you think, uh, you know, at that value, if uh, he's at the end of the eighth round and Foster's at the fifth round, are you still taking Foster at that range or are you uh, holding off on both of them? I'm, I'm probably holding off on both of them. Yeah. I guess my concern about Ajayi is that uh, in the eighth round, you know, I, I do I do think he's going to have value to the Dolphins and the fantasy owners at some point down the line. You yeah. know, I know he's uh, they've worried about his degenerative knee condition, but, you know, so far so good on that. He's been healthy, um, you know, and, and I don't think they see Foster as a long-term fix. So for dynasty purposes, I, I still think he's got some value. The thing yeah. about him this year we just don't know when he's going to be startable yeah. in, in any fantasy week. You know, I mean, it might take that foster injury for it to happen. Otherwise, he has at best, you know, flex value at, at very best. And, you know, if foster is able to stay healthy seven, eight, nine weeks or more, uh, I just don't know when Ajayi would be able to, you know, be a, a anything but a, a stopgap starter yeah. for a fantasy team. No, I definitely, I definitely do agree with that. Obviously, I talked at the start of the show that we were going to be doing the AFC West Division Breakdown. We're going to get into that in just a moment. Uh, over the last week or so, you've seen some tweets going up on the Overtime Ireland Twitter handle for uh, Fantrax.com. They're uh, running a lot of great leagues over there and a great service. We've kind of linked up with them. Uh, and if you want to help us out, uh, you know, you join up the league and they will give you a $5 free credit on your account. They'll bump some money our way as well, help support the podcast and so on. So stay tuned to the at Overtime Ireland Twitter feed. I'll be tweeting out about different leagues and that will hopefully have uh, a podcast league and so on on that they're coming up in the next few weeks that is fantrax.com so getting in now guys into the afc west we're going to start off with the denver broncos obviously super bowl champions won the division last year but it's interesting you know looking at a super bowl team who two years ago were one of the most high-powered offenses uh, you know as we headed into the season peyton manning was after coming off his record-breaking season and so on well manning's no longer there last year was a bit of a mess at the quarterback position between him and brock osweiler and although we're pretty confident with that von miller deal that the defense is going to come back and pretty much be uh, one of the top two or three defenses in the league uh, looking at it from an offensive point of view we'll start off with the, the quarterback position obviously we have uh, you know sanchez there Simeon, and also they drafted paxton lynch in the first round i don't think lynch is gonna be ready for the season there has been some talk about Simeon. i don't really buy into it i think it's all the uh, coaches talk at this point so we're looking at mark sanchez starting uh, do, do you think compared to last year mark sanchez is a downgrade upgrade or still the same i think he's 
if he's not a, an upgrade, he's definitely at the same level as the the two boys that played quarterback last season. Uh, it was a bit of a car crash there. <laughs> yeah, that's a good way to describe it, Calm. <laughs> um, <laughs> I was trying to make it sound bad, but try and be nice about it. But <laughs> that's as diplomatic as you can get, I think. With yeah. how it was last year, yeah, I I don't see it as being much better. I mean, it's uh, you know Sanchez is just such a turnover machine. Um, you know, if if he if it was merely a matter of him being, um, you know, ha- having a great arm or, or being a great athlete and just being like prone to, uh, you know, mental errors, uh, that would be one thing. But really, his arm is pretty ordinary, too. And, um, you know, I mean, his t- touchdown interception ratio is terrible. But then what do you do if he doesn't work out? What do you do if he's turning the ball over three times a game? I mean, Simeon. I saw him play at Northwestern in college, and I—he's just not an NFL starter. He's—I yeah. I refuse to believe otherwise. <laughs> and uh, you know, in Lynch, um, it's—he's definitely a developmental guy. I mean, I think um, you know, he, in his bowl game, just off the top of my head, I, thinking back to how bad he was against Auburn, you know, completing under than under 50% of his passes, and I think he had like 108 yards or something, and. Uh, you know, Memphis got blown out of that game, and, and he looked nothing like an NFL quarterback in that. And I was a little surprised he was he was taken in the first round, although I, I think the uh, weakness of this year's quarterback crop sort of helped drive him into that range. Um, you know, it's it's interesting with his, uh, as much firepower as they have on defense. You know, I wonder if, if they might not be tempted to, uh, you know, make some sort of in-season move for a quarterback knowing that maybe the Super Bowl window is still open just a crack and uh, that Lynch isn't going to be ready and that Sanchez isn't the guy who can take him there. So, I mean, I'd, I'd, I'll be curious if, uh, you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised if, if they, you know, maybe made a late run at Fitzpatrick or, um, you know, explored some other opportunities because I just don't think they have anyone on the roster right now who can do the job. Yeah, I definitely agree with you. I think starting as now, if it was week one tomorrow, I think there's no doubt that uh, Mark Sanchez is the starter for the team. And just talking of Sanchez, I'm going to let you have the first shot at this, Doug. Obviously, they have Demarius Thomas and Emmanuel Sanders as the two kind of standout wide receivers in the team. There's guys like Cody Latimer behind that. But there's nothing really that's behind the first two that's really standing out. And to throw this all into one group, you know, we're going to go into, I don't think there's anything at the tight end position. There's obviously Hooverman, who they drafted last year, got injured. He's there. Virgil Green's there. So there's there's nothing really at the tight end position either. So you're looking at their uh, wide receivers, Demarius Thomas and Emmanuel Sanders, uh, and we'll leave the running backs out of it for the time being. But looking at those guys, is there any of them that you're targeting this year? I've uh, picked up a lot of Sanders and Thomas in the leagues um, this season. I think they've been very underdrafted, but I'm just going to let you uh, make the decision first. Yeah, I think that they've been underdrafted as well. And I guess one thing to think about is you can't get much worse at quarterback or get much worse quarterback play than you got last year from the Broncos between uh, Peyton Manning and Brock Osweiler. So almost anything is going to be an improvement. That's just how I personally feel about it. Now, again, that's not saying that that, uh, Mark Sanchez or Trevor Simeon, who I will say I I am rooting for because uh, I'm actually a fan of, of, not a big fan, but I am a fan of uh, Northwestern, and I'm always a fan of the little guy. So (laughs) I rooted for Connor Shaw when he came out of South Carolina with the Browns, and I'm going to root for the same with the 
with uh, with Tur Simeon with the the Bronco. Uh, yeah, with the Broncos. Um, just to put something in perspective, as bad of a season as we saw out of out of uh, the quarterback play, Demaryius Thomas still finished with 176 targets and 105 receptions with over 1,300 yards. Yeah. That's not. That's nothing to sneeze at. And when you think about it this way, there is no. You can't get again. You can't get much worse at the quarterback position and get much worse production out of the position than you did last year. So I think that you know it's going to be a situation where could we see Demarius Thomas finish with ninety catches, twelve hundred yards, six touchdowns? I think so. I don't think he's going to go over one hundred five catches, thirteen hundred yards, whatever. Um, so I, I'm targeting him and even uh, just bringing it in, tying in a little bit for a second. In the recent Scott Fishbowl, uh, Scott Fishbowl 480, um, I drafted him in the fourth round, uh, Demarius Thomas, which is ridiculous value, I think, as he's a top whatever wide receiver. Um, but, yeah, I, I'm targeting the wide receivers. Maybe not so much uh, in, in redraft. I'm not targeting Demarius Thomas so much. But in in uh, in redraft, Emmanuel Sanders is is getting is getting ridiculously you know underdrafted, um, and I'm looking up the numbers right now. But he he continues to be undervalued. He may be their number. I I almost think they're not the one and two. I think Demarius Thomas is the one A, yeah. and Emmanuel Sanders is more like the one B in that offense. And it, it's it's almost a situation where Sanders continues to to perform better than what he is drafted at almost every year, even though he's doubted, like the, the QB situation. Um, and just to throw some numbers out there, on my fantasy league right now, in redraft leagues, Demaryius Thomas is being drafted on average as a 16th overall wide receiver. So that's wi- high-end wide receiver two value in 12-team leagues. And then for, um, I'm sorry, for, for Emmanuel Sanders, I'm trying to look. I don't even think I see him in the top 32 for some reason. And yeah, I don't see him in the top 32. Yeah, he's so, going uh, in twelve team leagues. He's going to kind of that five eleven mark and uh, PPR sixty second player overall. I'm not quite sure what that goes in terms of uh, wide receivers overall. I just have up a kind of overall graph here. But Doug, I definitely agree with you. And when I'm looking at these two players, I said there's nothing really behind them. You're looking at a team. You want talent and tar- targets. Unfortunately, they don't have a talented quarterback throwing it to them. But I think you know we've seen poor quarterbacks help players put up numbers just because they're being force fed targets. And I think both of those guys, at a minimum, at the bare minimum, they are going to get at least 100 targets this year i would say both of them could see up around that 125 130 targets easily and then you know a lot of people criticize demarius thomas for not being a great right runner but the rights that he does run you know uh, he does a lot with them and i think that this season you know last year he had a lot of drops i think that's going to force him down a little bit but then again the quality of the ball coming to him wasn't as good it mightn't be any good this year either but i just think at the market that they're going at i think they're going really really far down uh, and I, I think even you know, with Dynasty starting to come in, there's a lot of people playing Dynasty now. It's growing and growing and growing. And I think even in redraft, it's starting to link it, leak in where people just want that young player still. They want that young, shiny object. And I think they're two guys that are starting to fall into that underrated category. Anything, uh, Pat, that you want to add about those two guys at wide receiver? Uh, not much. I mean, I really agree with most of what you guys said. It's, it's The attraction is that um, it's just sort of a, a skinny usage tree, I guess, in uh, the, the Broncos passing game with, um, you know, really not much at tight end. Uh, Huerman and Virgil Green are really blockers first. And yeah. I, I kind of think Garrett Graham might lead uh, the Denver tight ends in catches, but he might lead them with about 25 receptions. So, yeah, not uh, very exciting. <laughs> yeah. And, and as you mentioned, not much depth at uh, wide receiver for them so it yeah it would really be a, a surprise if uh sanders and and thomas didn't get you know 
110, 120, 130 targets or more. And, um, you know, my only concern, I guess, with Thomas, is there were a few signs of slippage. Um, yeah. You know, he hasn't been very efficient in the red zone the last couple of years. Um, you know, that's kind of driven down his touchdown rate. Last year, I think, was his uh, worst year in terms of yardage per catch or at least yardage after the catch. Um, you know, I, I just wonder with some of the injuries he's had and some of the nicks and things, if he's starting to age a little prematurely at, at 29. But, um, you know, as as Doug mentioned, you know, fourth round value for Thomas is just crazy. I mean, he's I think he's a no brainer pick there. And, uh, you know, I still wouldn't have any issue with anyone taking him in the third round of a 12 team draft. Um, but, yeah, I, I think uh, the volume keeps the floor high on these guys and uh the quarterback play maybe limits the ceiling a little bit yeah i'd agree with that there just rapid fire through the running backs i'll take that on uh cj anderson's a player who last year started the season quite slow but had an injury through training camp and towards the end of the season uh, started to pick things up uh, it was very frustrating last year for owners ronnie hillman was getting a lot of carries up to the midway point of the season and he was somebody that i was targeting at that stage in dynasty leagues as well picked him up cheap in a couple of leagues and i'm hoping it's going to start to pay off this season but you know they drafted Devontae booker and behind him then ronnie hillman's there kind of as a just a kind of a nuisance in the backfield but I don't see this being a committee I see CJ Anderson getting the bulk load of the carries I see then Devontae Booker as the rookie getting a, you know a, kind of a, a third of the share and I see Ronnie Hillman getting a small workload but maybe 10% I don't see him getting a, a huge amount of work this season anything that you would disagree with there he is CJ Anderson fans uh, how do you think it's going to bounce out I'll let Doug go first and I'll limit you to 30 seconds <laughs> okay yeah um I was a big fan of CJ last year I can't be this year currently being drafted as the 14th overall running back that's high end running back two volume uh uh value i guess you could say uh, i don't, i can't trust that i know they're going to be a run first team just based off of their quarterback uh, you know you know what they have at quarterback and how good their defense is but yeah i can't trust cj anderson at uh 14 right now i i was all in on him last year i can't be this year um just because i think that the broncos have shown that they're willing to pull somebody in and put somebody else in if they don't do well um and you know it's always a carousel sort of with with their running backs who starts and who doesn't i'm actually pretty high on Devonte booker he's i think more of a complete back honestly doesn't have top line speed he's a little bit older has some injury history but if he's healthy i think he can be a really really good back especially in this offense with an improved offensive line i could see him really stealing some carries by the midseason so that's part of the reason why i can't be in on, on cj anderson this year maybe uh as the season gets closer we might have to have some sort of a bet on that one doug because uh I, I'm on the C.J. Anderson side of that one. Uh, we'll move on to the, the Chargers, uh, Pat, unless you have something to add about the running back situation. No, we can move on. <laughs> uh, obviously, we're trying to get through all... Uh, nearly turned into a Broncos-only show, but uh, the San Diego Chargers, obviously very pass-heavy last year. We know their struggles at the running back situation. Melvin Gordon was drafted, didn't really have a... Well, just, well it'd be nice to him, we'll say he didn't have a very good season. Then Danny Woodhead's obviously there, and he had a, a nice season from his perspective, and uh, Branton Oliver then as well as the third back. Philip Rivers, obviously the quarterback, started last season and a real pace uh, there was MVP talking up until that week 7-8 mark and we know in the week 8 then Keenan Allen got injured he was on a real tear uh, you know on the in PPR leagues uh, fantastic season to start then that lacerated kidney ended his season they've signed uh, Travis Benjamin from the Cleveland Browns this offseason Stevie Johnson still there and then Dontrell Inman uh, backing everything up there then you have Antonio Gates who still is uh, moving himself around and catching touchdowns in the NFL and then Hunter Henry was drafted this season 
Um, I'm, I'm going to let uh, Pat go and jump in. We'll do a whole team coverage on this one to speed things up. And uh, who are you targeting and who are you avoiding uh, this season? And do you think Melvin Gordon could have a, a bounce uh, up in uh, his second year in the league? All right, well, I'll start with Gordon, uh, even though I should probably recuse myself from this since I'm a <laughs> University of Wisconsin graduate and yeah. uh, a big Melvin Gordon fan. But, uh, you know, I'm, I guess I am pretty torn on him. I do think, uh, you know, it's too early to write him off. And yet I do have my reservations. I'm a little gun shy after what happened last year. In his defense, I'll say that, um, you know, the the injuries that San Diego had in the offensive line with uh, – you know, King Dunlap and Orlando yeah, Franklin and DJ Fluke are all missing time. Um, you know, I think they had four starters miss a combined 30 or 31 games. Yeah, it was brutal. Um, you know, and those are, yeah, and those are some massive guys. I mean, those are some guys who theoretically could form a pretty good run-blocking unit. Uh, San Diego went out and drafted Gordon's uh, fullback from Wisconsin, um, Derek Watt. So it feels like they want to give him every opportunity to succeed so I think the touches are going to be there for him and uh you know it wouldn't surprise me if he had a a bit of a bounce back season I'm, I'm not ready to predict him for uh, a rushing title just yet but um you know if if he slides a bit too far uh in in drafts you know I, I think eighth or ninth round he's a value there um you know and uh I, I think Rivers and Gates are kind of what you see is what you get, guys. You know, Rivers as a, a low-end quarterback one, and you know, Gates is a still uh, a still viable late tight end one. Um, I guess the guy, and I'm definitely on an island with this one because I know everyone loves him and everyone points to last year's pace stats and says that he was on pace for 130 catches, uh, 1,400 yards. Um, I'm, I'm not that high on Keenan Allen. I, I don't think I'm going to own him anywhere just because of where he's being drafted. Cut the uh, mic. Cut his mic now. <laughs> <laughs> I know, Calm. I know he's a, uh, <laughs> a cornerstone of your Scott Fishball team. But I guess here's my problem with him. Um, physically, I think he's got, you know, it would be generous to say that he's got ordinary speed. And uh, speed is really not the end-all, be-all for wide receivers. I mean, one of my favorite receivers of all time was Sterling Sharp who's probably one of the slowest starting receivers ever. But, you know, he was also one of the hardest receivers to tackle ever. And I don't think Allen has that sort of uh, tackle-breaking ability. He's pretty nifty once he gets the ball after the catch. But, uh, you know, he's 206 pounds. He's not going to bowl anyone over. And, uh, you know, the durability has been an issue. He's had the collarbone injury. He had the kidney laceration last year. You could chalk it up to bad luck, but I think he's been on the injury report for six other injuries where he didn't miss time, but, yeah. uh, you know, was banged up. That's over a three-year career. He had a torn, uh, I forget if it's PCL or MCL, uh, shortly before he started his pro career. Um, and this is a guy who's averaged under 12 yards a catch for his career, under 11 yards a catch the last two years. Um you know, 16 touchdowns in 37 career games, which is about works out to about seven a season. So really what you need with him is the volume. You need catches. And granted, he'll probably be a 100-catch guy if he stays healthy. Um, you know, 110, 120, not out of the question at all. But if a guy gets that banged up that easily, relying on him for that sort of volume, I just worry about that. You need the volume with him, and I just... Don't know if he's got the body to handle it. I think there's a site, Sports Injury Predictor, 
that pegs him as having an 83% chance of getting hurt. And I believe that's the highest likelihood of anyone at the wide receiver position. So I do have some reservations there, whether he can hold up, is he injury prone? He doesn't score that many touchdowns. He's not fast. He's not a big play guy. Um, so, you know, as, as much as I do think there's value there in PPR leagues, I mean, certainly he's a, a no-brainer starter if healthy. I just wonder if he's going to hit the uh, some of the exotic numbers that people are pegging for him. Yeah, I, I can't really disagree with too much of what you said. He isn't the fastest guy in the world, but he does have that injury tag as well. But I think that, you know, you look at uh, 2013, he did play 15 games. He missed two games in 2014. And then last year, obviously, after that eighth game, missed the rest of the season. But he is one of those guys, too, that no matter what happens this season, he's going to get hit with at least 100 targets. You're getting that volume. He, he is a better quarterback, obviously, playing than the Broncos, who we talked about earlier. He's going to head above that 70 reception total. So if you're playing in PPR leagues, that's a big bonus. I could see him, you know, hitting around that one, uh, 1,000 to 1,100 yard range this year. And, uh, you know, you're looking at seven, eight touchdowns, I think, if he stays healthy the whole year. I know you mentioned about that 83% likelihood of injury, but I think uh, I always say that when people pick up injury on Twitter, obviously it can be kind of predictive, but when you're looking at the injury he had last year, like a lacerated kidney, you can't really predict that going forward. And people are playing in the NFL. There's going to be injuries week in, week out. So I think we wouldn't draft anybody if we were always concerned about injury. The other guy that came in, and I'll let Doug take this one, was uh, Travis Benjamin from the Cleveland Browns. He had some nice games last year for the Browns. You could call it a breakout season for him. And he had absolutely nobody playing at the quarterback position. He's obviously going to be playing opposite Keenan Allen this year, and he's going to have that opportunity to you know, maybe face lesser coverage than he did with the Browns, and he's a better quarterback and so on. Could be a deep threat. I would imagine he's going to be somebody who who will have uh, you know those Deshaun Jackson style games where he hits that you know two two touchdowns, hundred yards one week, maybe only has two catches for thirty yards the next week. That sort of role is that what you envisage, Doug, for uh, Benjamin? And then uh, anything else to add about the Chargers before we move on to the Raiders? Yeah, so I I have it right here. So crazy enough, Travis Benjamin is currently being picked right now on average in redraft leagues. This is by my fantasy league. Um, uh, in the late 11th round right now, outside of the top 50 wide receivers, he's actually the 51st wide receiver. Um, and just to throw out some guys that are ahead of him, um, you know, there there is, you know, the guy Deshaun Jackson, uh, Marcus Wheaton, uh, Josh Doxson, too. Um, I think he has ridiculous value at where he's being picked right now. Um, and and you, you'll see differing data depending on what site you look at. Yeah. Um, but I think that even as a number two guy in an offense run by Ken Wisenhunt, where Philip Rivers had some of his best years, um, I, I can't see him not having a year where he can outproduce his ADP. Uh, I think he's a really good value. He really stepped up last year as the only really receiving option outside of, uh, well, the only wide receiver option, I guess you could say. Uh, you could also mention Gary Barnage and Duke Johnson there as other receiving options. But, um, yeah, no quarterback play. He's obviously going with a future Hall of Famer and Phillip Rivers, um, who I'll talk about in a second. I love his value here. I would definitely draft him in all my leagues if I could, um, especially with where he's being picked right now. Um, another guy I wanted to mention that we didn't really talk about, Danny Woodhead. Yeah. Um, who Danny Woodhead was a PPR dynamo last year after Melvin Gordon went down and obviously all those injuries to the offensive line and, and, and um, you know, just in general with, you know, also a wide receiver too, where he had nobody to throw to. So right now I'm, I'm pulling it up as we speak, but uh, Danny Woodhead, I actually wrote about probably a few weeks ago. He's under being underdrafted as of right now. I'm going to check again, uh, but he's still being picked actually as a high end running back three 
after finishing, I think, as the number three overall running back in PPR leagues. So, again, I still think he's being ridiculously undervalued. I don't think that he's going to be a top, necessarily a top five or top eight running back in PPR, but he's shown consistently that he will put up numbers no matter who else is around him just because of how reliable he is. So that's a guy I'm going to be targeting as well, especially in PPR leagues. If I can get him as my running back three, I think I'm going to win my championship. So I, I love that value. And just the other guy, I know that Pat talked about him real quickly. I'm a huge fan of Philip Rivers this year. Yeah. Um, you know, last year, and I know we've talked about him on the show before, and I know I, I expressed my love for him. But <laughs> so just to, just to throw it out there, currently right now, Philip Rivers, again, per redraft data in my fantasy league, he's being drafted as the 13th overall quarterback, which uh, is also – That's crazy. Yeah. So <laughs> – so guys ahead of him, Eli Manning, Derek Carr, Jameis Winston. Um, I can't see that happening necessarily. I think Philip Rivers is a guy that, you know, he has even more weapons this year, perhaps even an improved offensive line. He didn't have any running production last year. And through the first half of the season was the number two quarterback in fantasy. Number two quarterback. Yeah. And that's when all the injuries started hitting like, like Pat talked about. So I really think, I'm not saying he could be a top three quarterback. But I'm saying that he could be a top five, top eight quarterback if everybody stays healthy. That's a big if. I'm a lot higher on him than other people. I'm targeting him everywhere I can go, especially if I can get him as a number 13 quarterback. But I, I say that he could definitely be a mid-tier uh, quarterback one, maybe low end as his floor if everybody stays healthy, or even most of his players stay healthy. Yeah, definitely agree with Aaron as well. Pat mentioned, uh, you know, with the offensive line, if they can stay healthy, he does get hit about like a pinball behind that line last year towards the end of the season. So if he can get that protection, give him a little bit extra time, uh, you know, he's definitely one of the most talented starters in the league. And I definitely be taking him that value. Running through now to the Oakland Raiders, I'm going to run through all the players and I'm going to give each of you a chance to uh, pick out who you're targeting in it. Uh, obviously, Derek Carr at the starting quarterback position going into his third year in the league. He's a player that I'm on a very divided opinion on. I don't own him in any dynasty leagues and uh, I don't really target him in any leagues uh, in redraft either. But, you know, if he falls to the right spot, I'm sure I would take him. Latavius Murray is another player that I'm not targeting anywhere. Uh, you know, they took Andrew Washington in this year. We'll see what happens and how that shakes out. Obviously, at the minute, Murray looks to be set in stone as the starter. And then, obviously, Amari Cooper heading into his second year. Started very strong last year and then towards the end of the season uh, had a couple of injuries kind of that have come out after the season that have slowed down his progress at the end of the year and Crabtree had a big bounce back year after moving over from the 49ers. Uh, Seth Roberts is somebody I think could be flying under the radar there possibly if one of those guys went down uh, in Oakland and then Clive Walford at the tight end position. Someone who I think uh, can be a serviceable tight end in the league. I don't think he's going to be anything spectacular um, going forward. But I do think he is one of those guys. He could be a weekly kind of streamer uh, this season. Out of all those guys, is there anybody in particular that you really like this season heading into the year or anyone that you really dislike? And uh, I'll let Pat jump in first. Uh, DeAndre Washington, I like yeah. a lot simply because I don't like uh, Murray. Yeah, I think we're all in that uh, boat. I'm in that boat, anyway. <laughs> yeah, there was a, a great uh, stat tweeted out a few weeks ago, and uh, I want to give proper credit here, but I'm 99% sure it was Scott Barrett of uh, Pro Football Focus, yeah. who um, the stat was that since it was either 2000 or 2001, there have been like 92 running backs with 260 or more carries and 35 or more catches. And out of those 92, Murray was dead last in fantasy points scored. And, uh, you know, I mean, it was just such empty volume for him last year. And, uh, you know, if if we're going to give 
Melvin Gordon the benefit of the doubt. Maybe Murray should get it too, but I just feel like the Raiders want more out of that position. And, you know, DeAndre Washington, I think the drafting of him was just an obvious sign. Uh, you know, he's he's going to help a lot in the uh, passing game right off. I think at minimum he's going to be the third down back, but I do think he could cut into Murray's carries. And uh, I, I think of the five or six uh, MFL 10 drafts I've done so far, I've, I've got Washington in all but one of them. And uh, I think Scott Fishball was my first miss on Washington. <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, and, uh, you know, I'm Amari Cooper. Um, I like him a lot. I, I know people, some people question whether he deserves to be a low-end wide receiver one. I mean, I think he does. I think his biggest problem last year was that uh, he just, you know, they, they threw to Crabtree more in the red zone. I don't think that's necessarily something that's going to last. And I also think Cooper has the uh, home run hitting ability to get his touchdowns, even if some of them come from long range. Yep. And, uh, you know, maybe Carr is being just a bit overdrafted. Only because I think right now he's a better, he might be a better NFL quarterback than fantasy quarterback. Um, you know, from on talent alone, I, I love the guy. I mean, I think he's going to be a terrific quarterback uh, for the Raiders for years to come. I think he's a vastly better quarterback than Blake Bortles. Um, but, you know, as far as fantasy scoring, that's a different thing. And uh, I think, you know, he and Bortles might be neck and neck as uh, quarterback two type scores this year. Yeah, uh, Cooper, just on a quick note, is one that I'm divided on. I I do see him going, you know, in that bottom of the wide receiver one, kind of, you know, that 12th, 13th uh, wide receiver. And he's somebody that I'm just not willing to pull uh, and take at that spot. Uh, Doug, anything on the uh, Raiders that you want to add in there? Yeah, I'm a huge fan of DeAndre Washington. Uh, the Raiders seem to be all in on him. I think Reggie McKenzie, their GM, actually said earlier in the offseason that he can be a complete back. Um, that's a lot of praise for a fifth-round running back. Yeah. Uh, rookie. So I, I think, especially with you look at the inefficiency that Latavius Murray has had, considering the amount of touches and, and, and uh, opportunities he's had, uh, I'm not a fan of him this year either. If I can get him as a running back three, fine, but otherwise I'm not reaching at him. One guy I'm actually not very high on, and you guys actually just spoke about him, that's Amari Cooper. Uh, just to just to throw some stats out there. Um, now, granted, maybe these numbers are skewed. Who knows? Because he was a rookie. Um, during the last half of the season, so weeks 9 to week 17, Amari Cooper in standard leagues actually finished as the 31st best wide receiver. He did he tail least, off at the end, yeah. He, he had a lot of issues at the second half of the season. Um, currently being drafted uh, in redraft leagues, standard leagues, through my fantasy league, um, as the 10th wide receiver overall. I get a guy, ahead, I'm sorry, ahead of guys like Alshon Jeffrey and Jordy Nelson, who I, I, can't, yeah. I, can't, I can't agree with that. Um, and just to throw some stats again, more out there, um, he had, uh, he had 11 drops. Uh, I'm sorry. He had 10 drops. He was second in the league. Now granted he's a rookie drops. You can't really factor in, but because I'm making an argument against him, I'm going to use it. Um, so he had 10 drops last year, only second. Uh, it was tied for second behind Mike Evans. Um, and the other thing to keep in mind, Michael Crabtree had more receptions and touchdowns. And that goes back to what Fitz said. Um, can I call you Fitz? Um, <laughs> about, um, uh, about uh, you know, you know who was who was the guy? You know he was targeted more in the red zone. Crabtree, that is. Now, granted, Cooper could definitely make a step forward this year, but I think one of the things we have to keep in mind is the Raiders played from behind a lot, and thus you're more forced to throw. They improved their defense a ton this offseason. I know it's only on paper, and we haven't seen them play yet. But if that's the case, they may not have to pass as much, um, which again makes me weary that. 
Amari Cooper can finish in fantasy football as a top 10 wide receiver. I'm not saying he can't be a great wide receiver. I'm just not saying he can be a top 10, maybe top 15, maybe top 18. Yeah. Uh, but I'm not ready to call him that. And then the other guy uh, that I want to point out real quick that Pat uh, also talked about is, uh, yeah, I think Derek Carr is a little overrated right now, a little overdrafted. Um, I just think that, you know, he, he's coming off of a great second year, uh, obviously vast improvement, but I'm not ready to anoint him um, as the 11th best wa- quarterback in fantasy football when, again, he's being picked ahead of guys like Phillip Rivers. Um, I can't get behind that necessarily. So I think he's going to be overdrafted as well. So just to summarize, DeAndre Washington is a guy I'm looking at, maybe even Michael Crabtree. He's currently being taken as the 38th overall wide receiver, which is a high-end wide receiver four. And um, the two guys I'm staying away from are Mari Cooper and Latavius Murray, uh, and Derek Carr too, actually. Yeah, probably fit into the same categories there. Onto the Kansas City Chiefs running through it quickly. Alex Smith, I think we know what we have there. Uh, You know, somebody you can stream if you're in a two-quarterback league, pick him up as your your second guy. Uh, Nothing really to get excited about. Uh, Then we have, obviously, Jamal Charles coming back off the injury behind him we have Spencer Ware and Chirkandrick West I think it filters down obviously uh, Charles gets the majority of the workload there uh, at least 60% overall I see Spencer Ware probably getting in around that 20 uh, you know percent mark and then we'll see what happens with Chirkandrick West I think it's clear cut in my opinion that Ware is the better running back of the two then moving on at wide receiver Jeremy Macklin had a nice year last year finished the season uh, with that injury in the playoffs obviously but uh, had a nice chemistry with Alex Smith but again you're kind of waiting at how much targets he's going to get how much the ball he's going to get due to the nature of the passing game there in Kansas City Albert Albert Wilson and Chris Connolly behind them I'm not expecting much this year out of either of those guys just again down to the passing numbers overall Travis Kelsey somebody I was very high on heading into last season disappointed me uh, greatly in a number of ways started off with a huge game in week one against the Texans and then it all slowed down dramatically uh, out of the out of the Chiefs, the usual suspects, Jamal Charles probably worried of that injury, and then maybe Kelsey and obviously Macklin as well getting picked up. Outside of that, anyone that you're uh, really wanting to talk about, Pat? Um, you know, Colin, I think this is the most what you see is what you get yeah, fantasy uh, team way. in the entire league. Yeah. You know, uh, as you mentioned, Smith is as predictable as can be, and uh, I wouldn't shy away from Charles. Uh, the last time he tore his ACL, he came back and had a terrific year the following year, and, um, you know, I, I know he's now torn both ACLs, but uh, in, you know, every other year, he's been healthy and terrific, so uh, nothing to fear there with Macklin. Um, you know, yes, the Chiefs are conservative and pay, play at one of the slowest paces in the league, but... Uh, Macklin, I think his target share was nearly 27% last year. So he, he kind of makes up for that by being just, uh, such an alpha dog in their passing game. And, uh, you know, Kelsey, oh boy, I, I just, uh, you know, I think he's so good and could be, uh, you know, just a shade below Gronk in terms of value, but, uh, you know, and it's hard to complain too much about a guy who's been over 800 receiving yards the last couple of years. Uh, and has been terrific, but his red zone usage is just so maddening. Um, I think he had 10, uh, 10 targets inside the 20 last year, uh, five targets inside the 10-yard line. Um, I think it was 11-5 and five le- the year before that. 
you know, he's just not getting the target. So yeah, it's just... been five touchdowns in each of the last two years, and it's it's kind of uh, frustrating, and I don't know if that's going to change. Yeah, and I don't have the stats in front of me, but if you take that week one out of it where you got the two touchdowns against the Texans, then you're down to three touchdowns for the rest of the year. Last year, obviously, again, you mentioned the target usage in the red zone doesn't help, but he is one of those players that I think is going to fall enough this year that I'm going to end up with him in a lot of leagues. I think, again, just at the value, at the, the potential and the upside that you could kind of see happening there. And obviously, if Macklin was to go down, he would be that number one target in that offense. Uh, Doug, anything to add about the Kansas City Chiefs? Yeah, I actually could not be more against Travis Kelsey this year <laughs> than, than possible. Um, and and I, I seem to be the Debbie Downer of this group, but um, it just happens to be that way, I guess, with the AFC West. So just to throw some numbers out there, uh, during the second half of the season, now granted this is not including the big week one six receptions, yeah. 100-plus yards and two touchdowns, uh, Travis Kelsey actually finished from week nine to week 17 as the 16th best tight end in fantasy football in standard leagues. So guys ahead of him, Richard Rogers, uh, Will Ty, Benjamin Watson, Kyle Rudolph, Vance McDonald, all scored more points in the second half of the league in the second half of 2015 than he did. And I, I'm not so sure about the value because he's currently still being taken as the fourth overall wide receiver. I'm sorry, tight end. Um, in in my fancy league yeah, that's in redraft leagues, I wouldn't. I, I thought he would be slipping down to the the six to eight range, but uh, nope. I wouldn't be taking him at four. No, he's being taken currently right now in the top half of the sixth round. It looks like uh, as the number four tight end, just behind uh, Gronk, Reed, and Olsen. and then he's actually ahead of guys like uh, Eifert, um, Delaney Walker, Zach Ertz, you know, stuff like that. So um, just to throw some numbers, I know Fitz had talked about the um, red zone targets. Out of tight ends in 2015, Travis Kelsey actually finished 13th with a uh, tied for 12th. I'm sorry, tied for 12th with uh, 13 targets in the red zone. And the number one guy was uh, Gary Barnage, 24. So guys like Ben Watson, Richard Rogers, uh, Antonio Gates, even Heath Miller, who had 16 targets in the red zone last year, and he's retired, um, had more red zone targets than, than uh, uh, I'm sorry, Travis Kelsey last year. I cannot get behind Travis Kelsey at all this year, just simply because this is an offense where they, um, you know, they actually finished tied for 29th in passing attempts last year, 30th in passing yards, and 26th in passing touchdowns. Uh, I, I can't get behind Travis Kelsey as a top five tight end like he's being drafted this year. I'm staying very way away from him. And uh, the only other guy I would probably mention is Jeremy Macklin. I think he had a terrific year last year with the. Uh, the, the Chiefs, he was a mid-tier tight end, uh, I'm sorry, mid-tier wide receiver too. Um, I think he finished in the 16 to 18 range. Um, currently being drafted uh, about 24th right now in my fantasy, so that's actually low-end uh, wide receiver too, so that's a value for me. I don't think much has changed in this offense. Uh, it's going to be a very run-first offense with minimal passing touches. Uh, or opportunities. So those are probably the two guys I mentioned. Jamal Charles, I'm usually staying away from uh, just because he, I think he's going to lose some touches to Sharkandrick West and Spencer Ware, who both got extensions this offseason. And uh, just to throw it out there, he's being drafted right now. Jamal Charles is the eighth overall running back, so it's a low-end running back one. Um, so ahead of guys like uh, Doug Martin and LaShawn McCoy, who I can't necessarily get behind either, but uh, I think he could be a value. But, uh, yeah, just to summarize – I don't, lo- I don't like a lot of Chiefs this year besides Jeremy Macklin. So. 
So uh, Doug once again shows us uh, how to do a, a quick summary of uh, a couple of players. And uh, <laughs> thanks for all the information, Doug. Um, obviously, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry, Pat. <laughs> obviously, we've uh, run through all the, the four teams there. It's uh, been an interesting uh, perspective. Uh, obviously, you mentioned Macklin. I did, or not Macklin, uh, Kelsey. I didn't actually realize that he was going that high up. I'm either uh, taking Olsen in that kind of range or else I'm dropping all the way down going later at the tight end. Uh, just before we finish up, a quick uh, look. We're not going to go through all three of our uh, Scott Fishbowl teams, but uh, me and Doug can do ours next week. But uh, just when Pat is on, Pat has gone Bridgewater, Mariota, Rivers at the quarterback position. And then if you're looking through the kind of depth at the running back, he's got Eddie Lacy, uh, LaShawn McCoy, whose uh, value has taken a little bit of a boost over the last uh, seven days, Lamar Miller. And then uh, behind that, there's not a lot of depth. I'm going to get your feelings on that. Then when you're looking at the wide receivers, obviously I love Eric Decker. There's always value there. AJ Green, Alan Hearns, Vincent Jack. Jackson, uh, Terrence Williams, obviously, behind Des Bryant, Laquan Treadwell. Wide receiver might be a little bit dicey. We'll see how Lance Kendrick does, but uh, I am a big Delaney Walker fan, and I think yet again he's going underrated and undervalued this season. The the player I didn't mention at the wide receiver position, Josh Gordon. Um, obviously, if he plays, there's huge upside there. You concerned? Uh, are you confident that he's going to play this year? That pick, uh, at what point did you go the Josh Gordon right? Oh, I wouldn't say confident at all, but uh, in a in a 480 person league, you yeah, have take to your take chances. some. Yes, you have to uh, swing for the fences on a couple of these, and uh, that was that was a swing for the fences. Um, you know, I also did that with rookie running backs. I think I've got yeah, what, I've four of them or five of them. Uh, yep. Just hoping that something pops there. Um, you know, and and obviously, um, Derek Henry is probably my biggest uh, possible potential. Uh, you know home run there uh you know I, I do think it's demarco murray's um job at least at the start but uh you know i, I think derrick henry is gonna get his chances this year so yeah i mean i what i was happy with was uh the running back start with the added weight to the running backs in the scott fishball format i was yeah. pretty pleased with the um you know the the trio of miller lacy and uh mccoy and I, I was happy with what I was able to get a quarterback waiting a little bit. Um, you know, I'd also taken A.J. Green in there, and I didn't address quarterback until the fifth and sixth rounds where I still had Rivers. We talked about it yeah. before and how he's kind of uh, lasting maybe a little bit longer than he should have, and I felt that was the case. And, uh, you know, took Mariota coming back on the turn. You know, I just think there's a lot of upside with his uh, rushing ability and, yeah. and, you know, possibly a little underrated as a passer too. And then uh, – you know, after that, uh, when you're drafting against 11 pretty sharp people, uh, there's some unexpected turns, and I think I got snaked in about four straight rounds <laughs> at one point on uh, the guy I'd queued up ready to pick. So, uh, you know, things didn't go exactly according to plan the rest of the way, but, uh, you know, hopefully I, I got at least my fair share of talent later on. Yeah, you have a couple of guys in there that I have in a, a number of my teams as well. I'm very high on Mariota this season. I have him in my uh, Scott Fishbowl team. Philip Rivers, a uh, nice pick there. And Teddy Bridgewater, although he's not somebody you're targeting in your, your kind of standard redraft leagues uh, and, you know, in your, your top 20 quarterbacks, he has somebody in this situation that does possess value because you have the flex quarterback spot if you want to do that. Just looking at your running backs, you do have five rookie running backs in there who have never played a down in the NFL, so you're expecting a big year for the rookies. But you only need one or two of those to hit, and then the other guys you have are all solid options you mentioned Lacey McCoy and Miller and uh, I do I do like the kind of core of the tight end position or the wide receiver position and then Delaney Walker so 
I, I find sometimes I'm overrating these uh, Tennessee players this season, and I say you have Derrick Henry, Mariota, and Walker, so no. we'll see how they go. Uh, I, I'm, I'm high, and I, I'm starting. I'm every time I talk myself up, I have to talk myself back down on uh, the Titans. Uh, the way I'm projecting them, they're going <laughs> to win, win the whole thing this year. But we'll see how that goes. Uh, the, the Scott Fishbowl. How did you find? Uh, obviously, you mentioned the running back situation. How did you find the draft and overall? It was uh, a very interesting experience. It really was uh, just trying to get my head around the, the format with yeah. the, um, you know, so many flex spots, the super flex, you know, on one hand, I think, um, I think in some ways people maybe overreacted a bit to the super flex yeah. um, because, you know, obviously with the super flex, you want that to be a quarterback. So it's basically a de facto two quarterback league and you want to, you know, on, on that basis, you know, the instinct is to move up the value of the quarterbacks, but, there's so many flex positions starting 11 people every week with no kickers or defenses. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, yeah. And that sort of waters down, I think the super flex element a little bit. So, yeah. um, you know, in some cases I think people maybe overplayed the quarterbacks and I try to be patient while still, you know, filling the need there. Um, and just not reach too early, but uh, there are just so many possible strategies, and and that's what I like about it. I mean, uh, I, I think you've basically got in most leagues where everyone is, uh, you know, there might be only one or two or three different basic blueprints, and everyone is just trying to go on, uh, you know, pick the best players. Yeah. Here, you know, I saw so many different strategies being executed. It was really fascinating. Yeah, because obviously when you have your, your rankings up in front of you or your projections and you're doing it and you're maybe it's PPR, half point PPR or standard, you're going through it and you're going down through it. It's kind of, you know, painting by numbers. You can figure out who you want at that spot. But when you're going down this and you're thinking, oh, it's quarter of a point per carry, it's a half point per reception, tight ends, we're getting the whole point per reception. It just made it very, very interesting, but uh, it was a lot of fun. Another bit of bad news on the Titans for you in this format is uh, their play or the playoffs start in week 13 and they're on a bye week in week 13. So, We'll see how you do if you get to that point. Uh, it's, it's been. <laughs> I don't want to. I don't want to dice your team too much, but I did like it. On the last point on the Scott Fishbowl, Pat took uh, two minutes per pick uh, over the whole draft. I took twenty-one minutes, which I was very disappointed with. But in round oh, four, no. I did hit a six-hour pick time because of the time difference here. So that really let me down. So I think I would be more in the three, four-minute pick. But Mister Doug here ended up oh, no. uh, getting a bit of getting a bit of trouble on Twitter from a, a number of different sources. <laughs> two hours two hours per pick and i think he was actually happy with that time but two hours so i think if you multiply if you multiply my time by uh you know multiply mine by six multiply i don't even know how to get into it multiply yours by about 15 pat uh, you get to what it took doug to make each pick so doug was one of those guys holding the drafts up i think doug's drafts in the sixth round at the minute so that's mainly down to doug but we'll let him away with uh, just that a little bit obviously you can find uh, pat on twitter he's at fitz underscore ff so obviously Fitz for Fitzmaurice, that's F-I-T-Z, and then underscore F-F. You can find the great work he does for 444SI.com, among many other sites. Doug's on Twitter, it's at NFL. I'm on Twitter, it's at Overtime Ireland. And uh, if you're following that handle, there's a, a t-shirt up for grabs at the moment, so get over there, retweet, and uh, get involved in that competition. The new OTI t-shirts actually arrived this uh, past week. So this is the final of the old edition. The new ones will be uh, up for grabs soon. So thanks to the two guys for joining me on the show. And of course, we'll be back next week. I think we have two shows lined up next week. Uh, Mike Clay and uh, Pat Doherty from Roto World meant to jump aboard the show. So it should be exciting for two more previews. Uh, And until that, of course, uh, have a good one. 
Thank you for listening to the Overtime Ireland American Football Podcast. Please follow us on Twitter at Overtime Ireland. Check out OvertimeIreland.com and continue to spread the word. This has been an Overtime Ireland production.